section thirty five of canada south america central america mexico and the west indies this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the world story volume eleven canada south america central america mexico and the west indies edited by eva march tappan section thirty five taken prisoner by the fenians eighteen sixty six by david junor the fenian brotherhood founded in eighteen fifty seven had for its object the separation of ireland from great britain in eighteen sixty six a large number of these fenians crossed the niagara river below buffalo and threatened the niagara peninsula they were promptly opposed by both volunteers and regulars and were soon driven back to the american side other raids had been planned but were prevented by the watchfulness of the volunteers the editor the rumors concerning movements on the other side of the border which threatened to bring trouble to canada grew more definite as the winter of eighteen sixty five to sixty six advanced and just before st patrick's day march seventeen there was such a feeling that the fenians had planned an attempt to destroy the queen's own drill shed on that night that a guard was ordered to patrol the streets around the shed i was one of the men detailed for that purpose if such a plan had been formed however nothing came of it and the shed was still intact on the morning of the eighteenth the rumours continued until june one when word was received at toronto that a body of fenians had crossed from buffalo to fort erie troops to oppose them were requested the officers of the queen's own at once sent a hurried call for the different companies to assemble so as to take the boat for port colborne it was a very bad time for the university company as we were in the midst of examinations it was my graduating year but fortunately most of my examinations were over we were informed by the university authorities that those who went against the fenians would be considered as having passed without any further examinations while those who were up for honors would have their standing decided by the average on the examinations already held together with their records in previous years the number of members of the university company that took the boat that day and were present at the engagement with the fenians has never been settled to my satisfaction but my account after we landed at lime ridge made it twenty-three and i have never seen any reason for changing it we arrived at port colborne that evening and took the train for st catherine's where we enjoyed some sleep then we were roused up and put on a freight train for lime ridge where we were joined by a regiment of volunteers from hamilton we were also to meet the regulars but because of some delay which i never heard satisfactorily explained they did not reach fort erie until the morning after the engagement with the fenians as the highest officer with the queen's own was major otter and as the hamilton regiment had a colonel the latter took command of the united column a great many of the soldiers had taken along some baggage as we did not expect to return to toronto at once i had a good large satchel as i expected to go home before returning to toronto for the convocation to receive my degree this satchel contained some of my clothes but far more cherished than these some photographs and letters on leaving the train we piled our baggage in a goodly heap expecting to return and get it after we had annihilated the fenians alas we never saw any of it again and i have often wondered what kind of fenian got those photographs and letters and what he thought of them the government partly reimbursed us for the baggage lost but alas for those things for the loss of which no money could be a recompense 
there were no commissioned officers with the members of the university company when we landed at lyme ridge as captain croft and lieutenant cherryman were detained at toronto by examinations and so one of the first important questions to be decided by the battalion officers in view of an engagement with the fenians was what to do with the few representatives of the university company it was at first decided to distribute them among the other companies but these members objected saying that if there was to be any fighting they wished to fight as a company and they asked instead that enough men should be taken from other companies to make up such a number as the officers might think best and the command given to an officer from another company this was done and the command was given to lieutenant whitney of trinity college company he proved to be a splendid leader showing no sign either of fear or rashness during the engagement and was always in the front erect and calm as if whistling bullets were everyday visitors in his life no one who was there will ever forget his feelings as standing in battalion we heard the command with ball cartridge load and realized what that command presaged very soon we heard that the fenians were near and the march to meet them began it seemed only a few minutes later when we heard the bullets whistling over our heads and we can all remember with a smile how our heads involuntarily ducked as we heard the sound then came the command for the university company to advance as skirmishers and very soon we were so far ahead of our main body that we could no longer see it as we advanced we fired at the woods in which the fenians were supposed to be and from which the bullets we heard passing seemed to come once in a while we caught sight of a man on a white horse and i have no doubt that every man in that skirmish line fired more than once at the man on horseback he seemed however to be immune to bullets as he continued to ride unharmed and that too in spite of the fact that the rider held the company medal that year for rifle shooting when we had advanced some distance we came to a rail fence which we must cross if we would reach the fenians but there was a general disinclination to do so as the field on the other side was bare and men in any part of it would make good targets after a slight hesitation however we crossed but it was not strange that each one of us should try to get as near to mother earth as he could so as to give the enemy as little occasion as possible to commit manslaughter while in this field a strange thing happened we heard the bullets whistling from the rear as well as from the front and the only conclusion we could come to was that the officer in command had forgotten that our company was skirmishing and had sent another skirmish line out behind us whether this was true or not i have never been able to find out we had not been long in this field before we heard the bugle call to retire and began to fall back leisurely turning and firing as we retired at first we could see nothing of our main body but when we reached a cross-road the column was seen nearly half a mile in the rear and retreating apparently helter-skelter we at once decided that it was our duty to overtake them as speedily as possible we hurried to the main road so as to follow as we ran along the cross-road young tempest who was just before me fell i paused beside him for a moment and saw that he was dead shot through the head at that time the bullets were whizzing past us at a great rate and i remember wondering whether i was going to get through without coming in contact with any of them shortly after we reached the main road we passed a small hotel and as i was running by the open door i heard someone from within call oh i'm wounded i turned in to see who called and found one of my company shot in the arm i also saw there were quite a number of other wounded men there and as they were calling for water i decided that my next duty was to attend to their calls i therefore began giving water to all i had been at this work only a few minutes when a civilian who evidently lived in the neighbourhood came in and began to help a member of the highland company lay on the floor with a wound in the arm 
he was suffering greatly and asked whether we could not put something under his arm to raise it up i pulled off my coat folded it and put it under his arm and it seemed to relieve him all this time we had seen nothing of the fenians but now one stood in the doorway with leveled pistol and called on us to surrender we had no time to answer before another evidently an officer ordered him off and came into the room seeing me in my shirt-sleeves he said oh you're a surgeon these wounded men will be protected and then he disappeared as i supposed to put a guard on the house when the civilian and i had done all we could for the wounded in the house seeing no fenians around to prevent i proposed that we take water and go back along the road to see if we could help any of the wounded i thought at the same time that we might get back to where i had seen tempest fall we had not gone far before we came to a young man who had been shot through the body but was still conscious we raised his head and gave him water and as we knelt beside him the civilian began the lord's prayer but he had not gone far before he burst into tears and cried i can't pray in a few moments blood and water gushed from the young man's mouth his head fell back and he was dead we started to go farther back along the road but met the fenian rearguard who seeing that i had on part of a uniform told me i must go with them as even misery likes company i cannot say that i was sorry to see that the rear guard had as a prisoner another of my company now a distinguished professor in toronto when we got back to the hotel i was in difficulty as i was in my shirt-sleeves and when i came to look at my coat under the arm of the wounded man i saw that even if i could remove it it was not in a condition to be worn the only unappropriated coat was the military overcoat of the wounded man so i put it on but as military overcoats are intended to be long anyway and in this case the owner was over six feet tall while i was five feet four there was a good deal of waist skirt on the floor however as it was the only coat available i gathered it up at the waist buckled my belt under the gathering bade good-bye to my wounded college mate and started with the fenians i might add here that i did not see this friend again until forty years later almost to a day when in june nineteen o six i shook hands with him in his office in winnipeg the objective point of the fenian march we did not know but found out a little later that it was fort erie we soon got to be quite friendly with our guards who were all good-natured irishmen they told us that they fully expected the canadians to rise to aid those who came to free them from the yoke of great britain we assured them that they were mistaken about the feelings of the canadians and that they would meet only with disappointment it was impossible for us to judge of the number of the fenians as they were scattered all along the road but i thought there might be anywhere from five hundred to one thousand formerly they had been soldiers of the american civil war accustomed to hardship and to take things easily especially when they saw anything they would like to have in the farmhouses or barns at which they called in passing along the road at one place we were relieved by this peculiarity as they brought a can of buttermilk and gave us a drink and i don't believe we cared how they came by it for the day was warm and the march tiresome several amusing things occurred on the way one of which i recall in one barn at which they called they found a horse buggy and harness evidently thinking that under the circumstances it was as cheap to ride as to walk they hitched up and more than a dozen got on but alas for their hopes they had not gone ten rods before the buggy collapsed the wheel spreading out at the bottom and letting the load sink to the ground as we approached fort erie we noticed a good deal of excitement and in a very short time we were left alone with our guards all the others going to the front presently we heard firing for a few minutes and then again all was still late in the afternoon we passed through the village of fort erie where we met colonel o'neill the fenian commander and then to our evident destination the ruins of the old fort there we found that the number of prisoners was increased by about twenty members of an artillery company that had landed at fort erie that day and had been captured by the fenians after the fight of which we heard the firing 
we were not permitted to starve that evening but were supplied with biscuit and meat some of which at least was raw pork during the night we were not allowed to stand up but must either sit or lie down and then i had reason to bless the chance that made me wear that heavy overcoat as with it i suffered less than the others from the cold although it was june it became cold toward morning between two and three o'clock in the morning we were roused up and told the foreman to line along a fence we wondered whether it was possible that they were going to shoot us although we did not feel much fear as they had been so friendly our lives however were not doomed to end yet for we were next told to form into marching order the fenians meanwhile doing the same together we marched down to the bank of the niagara river where there was a tug with a scow in tow then our guards shook hands with us got on the scow and tug and made for the opposite shore it may be imagined that we did not delay long before we put a good distance between us and the river as we were now in the village of fort erie and daylight was some hours off we rapped at the door of a small house in which we saw a light the owner asked who we were without opening the door and he evidently did not wish to offend either side we succeeded at length in convincing him that we were canadians so he opened the door and let us in soon after daybreak a company of regular artillery came along and my fellow-prisoners and i rode on a gun-carriage till we came to where the queen's own were encamped we found our company a good deal larger than at the time of the engagement owing to accessions from toronto and we received a hearty welcome as we had been given up for dead on talking the battle over we came to the conclusion that our company had suffered more than its share as we thought that out of twenty-three men three were dead four wounded and two had been prisoners as to the cause of the rout of the column different rumours were prevalent the most common being that the commander never having been in action before lost his head when he became possessed of the idea that they were to be attacked by a force of fenian cavalry and gave orders which led to disorder and then to a panic after being in camp at fort erie for a few days the queen's own were sent to stratford for several days more there we were not in camp but billeted among the citizens and as we were very cordially received all had a very pleasant time i know that was true in my case as i was a guest at the home of the sheriff of the county whose son was my classmate forty-two years later in the summer of nineteen o eight while on the canadian pacific railway boat from fort william to owen sound i was introduced to a gentleman and his wife from stratford after the introduction the lady said when i heard your name i wondered if you were the young man who spent some days at our house after the fenian raid of eighteen sixty six she was the daughter of the sheriff and a young girl at the time of the raid among the good things that made the time pass pleasantly for me at stratford was the receipt of about a dozen letters from the preceptress and some of the members in a certain school for young ladies at toronto written to cheer the heart of the young soldier and incite him if the occasion arose to do brave deeds for his native land it will indicate how much i prize those letters when i say that i have them yet although i have never seen one of the writers since after we left stratford we went to our homes as the fenian scare was over for the time End of section 35. This recording is in the public domain.